0: Hi everyone and welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Kelly Lavelle, and this is our wrap-up episode, which means we're gonna be looking back on our last month's guests, seeing if we can pull out any common themes or takeaways over our most recent chats. We had an incredible lineup over this past month. We started off with John Baker, CEO and founder of desire to learn Then we moved over to business education um, with John Fistolera, uh, Executive Assistant Director of DECA. We, he was joined by Ollie Forsyth, a young entrepreneur who is CEO and founder of the Budding Entrepreneur Club. And finally, we ended off this month with Sarah Potler-Lahan, founder and CEO of Move This World. All of them come from very different backgrounds. This week, we started off almost in an uh, started off with ed tech for the most part with John Baker, who shared his journey starting off as a young entrepreneur and really at a time when ed tech really wasn't a thing, and he was entering an industry that, in some ways, was not necessarily wasn't really built out quite yet so he was entering something new and had to build up from the ground up we moved over to John and Ollie's conversation where we talked about how young business leaders could get started and what it was like both in terms of getting started from a traditional path of business education versus going out into the world on your own as a young entrepreneur and kind of learning it experiential style learning as we go so to speak um, and building your business um, outside of school we then moved over to Sarah where interesting enough although she did not come from what we would similar to our other conversations of, of technology or business she is coming from an entrepreneur lens in her own right where she's taken the power of in, in many regards um, dance art, movement, music, um, and integrated it into a digital learning platform. So she's taken her passion, which very much was physical in nature, not so much technology and digital, but used technology as a means to build her business rather than the solution itself. So everyone in our conversations had similar themes in the sense of we ended up talking a lot about how do we get started? What are those first steps? And although each of these individuals came from different backgrounds, we, they each exhibited uh, a specific trait or element to starting off as a, as a leader that I feel was valuable uh, in our conversations. When it comes to bridging the gap for youth in leadership, there's a lot of passion in this generation. I am continually amazed by the incredible energy that my peers have and every day learning about young leaders who are literally changing our world and taking matters into their own hands. And it is inspiring and sometimes, um, <laughs> it makes you feel like it makes you feel that you should be doing more in your life when you see how, how, how busy some of these young leaders are. But at the same time there I feel there's a big gap. We have this demographic who, in some like sense, could be likened to me as I was grow in my earlier years as a very keen, motivated leader who is involved in all the in all the clubs and knows their community and is very active but there's a gap because there's a lo- the large demographic. Of youth who want to be leaders but are not yet that overachiever actively involved type that or a type personality that we might see prominently at leadership conferences and a lot of these community functions or programs that support leaders and so the conversation really shapes around how do we get this demographic in those of us who are listeners out there who, who want to lead, who want who have ideas and want to create their own businesses or pursue a venture or create a nonprofit or whatever that ambition might be, but how do we get started? And even if we don't want to necessarily create a business, but we just want to have a successful career, how do we kickstart that career? How do we get that, get that path started to that end goal that we have in mind? And I really enjoy the conversations this week because each of the leaders and executives that we spoke to came to the conversation with a different perspective, but had very similar themes. So I wanted to take a moment during this wrap up to kind of review some of those themes and see if we could get some key takeaways uh, to apply to our own leadership journeys. Starting off, um, one of the, I think each of our guests exhibited a specific trait. We started off, I think, right, right away comes out with Ollie. Um, immediately comes to mind as um, a trait for a good leader is being results oriented. Two weeks ago, when we spoke with Ollie and John and Bridging the Gap, one of the things that struck me was something that Ollie said, which is something I think you need to be a great leader. You want to focus on results. In the sense that as a young leader, when you're starting off, there's a lot of trial and error. You really don't know where you're going or what to respect. And to be honest with you, even if you think you know what to expect, you it's very difficult to be 100% accurate. It's just you're entering the unknown. You have to grow and learn. And part of that growing and learning is taking a tumble now and then or hitting a dead, ro- dead end and turning around. I kind of view it like getting into a forest. Um, even if you have a compass, the compass isn't going to give you your, dire- your absolute path clear in stone, you're going to end up having to twist and turn a little bit as you follow that compass. And the same goes for a young leader when you're following your journey. And so I really liked what Ollie was explaining his experiences as a young leader and how he really ha- learned how as he went and focusing on results. So as he was learning, he focused on, he would find things that worked and things that didn't work. And he would focus on the things that worked and refine them a little bit more. And then when, and then continue to refine those and continue to kind of pivot slowly but surely towards this end. These results, which in some ways are kind of like that light, you're kind of pivoting towards that journey and that end destination. And I think by focusing on results, particularly as a young leader, that can help us in a couple ways. One, it gives us a little bit of direction and that guiding principle or light to kind of show us the path that we should be taking or where to go next if we don't necessarily have a clear path. But two, when you're young and you're first starting off, you don't necessarily have credibility uh, or a reputation as a leader to to rely on as executives would have. So an executive comes up with an idea or wants to do something and they have a track record of being a CEO of a company or running these businesses or just being successful in their field, they have a lot more respect when they go off to start a new business or have an idea just by the nature of the credibility that they have to their name already. And that credibility comes with time. It isn't something that you can just kind of snap your fingers and have. You have to earn it, but you, in a lot of sense, it, it, it just takes sometimes just years of experience. And that's something that as a reality, we have to face as young leaders that we can't just snap our fingers and get. But what happens is if you're results-oriented, you can gain that credibility a lot quicker. The reason being, if you can produce results, what happens is you can rely on those results to produce new results. And what I mean by that is if you do, let's say, a small case study of a a little project um, with your friends or with a potential prospect or client or an organization in your community, and that proves to be very successful, then you can go pitch to another organization and use the success of your first one to help sell or kind of um, provide assurance and gain kind of credibility on your idea with the next client. So when they kind of say, well, well, how should, how should we trust you or how do we know this is going to work or why should we consider you can kind of go back and say, well, based on my past results with this organizations, this is what we saw. This is our success. This is what happened. And immediately that helps take your ideas and kind of your ability as a leader to convince and, um, And create collaborations with organizations, executives, or fellow peers to that next level. So having a result, being results oriented as a leader is an extremely important trait and one that could be very useful as a young leader. In our second conversation with John, we were, along the way, when we were talking about results, when we were talking with Ollie about kind of being results-oriented, when we talked with John uh, from DECA, we talked about um, a little bit of the experience, but more importantly, um, through DECA, DECA provides some of those experiences, and so we talked about what can we do beyond just that experience? What is a trait that a leader should have beyond necessarily an education or, or um, that, that results-oriented approach? And he brought up a very valuable point that I think is very synergistic to it, which is um, the ability of building relationships. And that in some ways, goes to a skill of networking. Uh, And it's not networking in sense of how many connections can I have, how many friends or important people do I know, but building relationships that last, building relationships with mentors, um, community members, supporters. Uh, There isn't really necessarily a definition in terms of it has to be with this type of person. It's about just building relationships in general, because as you grow in your career or as a leader, those relationships are what will help open doors for you in one way or another. A good example is, John gave an example of through DECA, as an DECA alumni, immediately if you build relationships with alumni that are a part of their network, you are able to open up new doors once you, once you leave DECA, through those existing relationships when you, but I have seen that beyond necessarily just an association context, just in general, I have met individuals through my own networking and circles or where I've even gone and like flown to a different country and met someone for a very short time. But it's one of those things where you have this, just this meaningful conversation where you just like click and you share a passion or, you, you have a similar idea and such, and you click and then you end up connecting. And I would advise everyone who's listening that a connection is not, okay, so I meet someone at this conference, we have a great conversation, I send them a LinkedIn uh, request, and okay, great, they're part of my network. But to actually foster that connection. So communication is key. Being able to keep them in the loop Uh, Have another conversation with them. Um, Share resources, share content that's relevant to them. Do something that that you stay top of mind or at least on their radar. That way, when you actually need them for something, you're not calling them out of the blue and saying, hey, I haven't talked to you in a year. We met at this conference this one time, but can you help me with this? Instead, you have a relationship with them that you can rely on and go back to them and tell them that you're working on something and, you, and it'd be the type of relationship where then they'll probably suggest of wanting to help you because you've built that foundational ground that is mutual and the, a mutual respect that you are a part of their, you are colleagues. So building that relationship, you can start that at any age. And I definitely recommend um, for our young listeners to start seeking mentors, even right now while you're still in school. Reach out to community members. Go to little. Go to find um, if you have a startup community in your region. Go to go to if there's any meetups or gatherings or um, even just connect in circles. If you're passionate about art, maybe connect with an art circle or different things. It doesn't always have to be entrepreneurship related. But start to build uh, relationships with those who have different experiences or different interests in, and connections than you do to start kind of building up that circle. Then we moved on to Sarah. And Sarah's trait, I think, is, is one that I personally, um, I, don't want, I hate using the word preach, but it is something that I say quite often and I'm a big ambassador of, and that's passion. Sarah's journey is really interesting in the fact that her passion comes from a dance and music background. She's very pat, and she's using that as a way um, for emotional development and well-being and mental health. Um, and that, and she uses uh, these these creative learning methods as a way to improve. Um, your your emotional stamina and and um, ability to in some ways self worth um, to build self worth and confidence, but also to manage just your daily schedules that work life balance you need that you need that strong mindset in order to succeed as a leader. Sometimes, particularly depending on the path you're taking, some can be more challenging than others. And what I liked about Sarah's story is that her passion, again, was all in this physical nature, or in this creative nature and arts, very opposite to what you would think would be tech and coding and, and digital. But her business and her success has been found by creating an e-learning solution that captures in a lot what is her passion of creative learning and the arts in, a, in using tech as a medium to distribute, her her solution and her passion. And I think that really sends a powerful message that passion is very important as a leader but can take many forms. And having a clear sense of what your passion is as a leader is a great way to provide direction on kickstarting your career or starting to find your path because Your path can take many forms, but if you have at least a sense of your passion, it will keep you it will keep a constant on your path, something to guide you. And that passion may take you to like Sarah, take something that is very much in a different sector in in in, kind of move a couple sectors over and go into different areas that you may not even anticipate going into. I know I personally have experienced that myself. I'm a tech founder as well, but started off as a non-tech founder. And again, technology to me wasn't the solution as much as the medium to make my solution happen. And so I found myself taking on roles in everything from learning HTML and CSS to um, doing media work and learning how to work a camera and then do video editing and then building websites and finances and things that I would never, ever anticipated um, entering into. But it was all fueled by my common trait, which was the passion. I was passionate about making this one particular idea or vision happen, and all of these um, steps in my journey were just necessary um, kind of milestones in my path to get me to that vision. And so I feel right now, in summary, the three top traits so far that our leaders have kind of expressed is being results-oriented, having strong communication and building relationships and being able to exhibit and understand your passion. And I think John Baker um, then summarizes the traits very well, because in his interview, we kind of touched on a little bit of everything in the sense that, again, he was pursuing an industry that hadn't yet really formed. So he really had to rely on his passion to keep him moving forward, to drive him, because people didn't necessarily understand what he was doing. In a lot of sense, they thought he was crazy. That, like, why would these institutions adopt these e-learning solutions in an when that really wasn't something that they were doing. And so he really needed to rely first on that passion to keep him going and guide him in his way. Second, he built a lot of his success he explains if you listen back into his interview by knocking on doors and continually going out to schools, demoing his his platform and little by little getting buy-in from one or two early adopters and using those early adopters to get buy-in from another one and another one and another one. So basically applying the principle we discussed with, with Ollie about being results oriented, taking the small successes and little triumphs that you make Using, the, um, using those to propel new successes moving forward, and then also focusing on those results so you can refine your product, your vision, or your, or your journey to, to direct you on that path And finally, the last trait of communication and network building. As John was creating, uh, building, using those successes, he was building relationships. It was all about those early adopters he was getting involved with, um, how he could use those early adopters to refer him to new clients, and using those relationships to kind of propel him forward. Now he, does, he also talked about how he's a mentor now in the community and is now using those relationships on the reverse and giving it back into community. And sometimes those relationships have come back around. And I find that often. We look at mentorship as kind of sometimes this one-way street where um, the mentor has a mentee and it's only the mentee that's benefiting. But I would argue that the mentee mentors the the mentor just as much. As confusing as that just sounds. Um, but what I mean by that really is Mentors learn just as much from the mentees. Sometimes the mentees have fresh, unbiased perspectives that um, a mentor who's been an executive in the field for a while or has kind of gone around the block a couple times may have become jaded to and might not notice as quickly. Also, the passion and energy of being new and and starting off your journey has a tendency to kind of... Um, <laughs> it's a little bit contagious sometimes and wears off on other individuals, but can remind us of our roots. It re- It's a very kind of full circle where when you kind of meet a young leader, someone new, it remind you, you feel that evident passion because they're so clear on it. And as you grow as an executive or a leader, sometimes it's easy to get swept up on everything you do and kind of lose that that sparkle in your eye and that initial passion and i think kind of being reminded of of that from those who are starting off on their journey um reminds you of your own roots and kind of calls back on you to think about again why you started your journey and what brought you on this path and to begin with and usually that brings you right back to your passion so i think this was an incredible week for bridging the gap Um, and it Overall, the conversations had a general theme of how do we kickstart our careers? How do we begin our journeys as a leader? It's a big world, a lot, lot, full of opportunity, many different directions we can take. And sometimes what it really just comes down to is looking deep down inside of us and realizing what is it that I'm passionate about? What is it that puts that sparkle in my eye? And then who are the people around me that care about those similar things or can help me on that journey? How can I build relationships with those people? And then thirdly, once I build relationships with those, how can I use the many successes that I'm having and the traction that I'm getting, whether it can be even small little steps, how can I use those results to propel me forward and grow those results further? And that's it for this week on Bridging the Gap. Remember to join into the live conversation. Use the hashtag Bridging the Gap and tag me, Kelly A. Lavelle, on Twitter. Share your thoughts and opinions. What do you feel are the key traits you need as a leader in kickstarting your career? Share your thoughts with our audience. And don't forget to tune in Thursday starting at 4 p.m. for our next podcast interview and 4.30 for our live chat.